Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. Mm-mm-mm. I have something to talk about today. Can, can you hear I'm smiling? Are you? Yes, because what we're about what to What is there even to smile about right now? <laughs> what we're about to talk about always makes me smile because I feel like we are the best situated to talk about both of these issues. What are we about to talk about? It's like the intersection of the campus and free speech. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So unless you maybe don't live in Ontario and haven't been paying attention at all, you probably know that the government, as one of its top priorities, one of the first things that they've done uh, in the Fugdored government, is to implement a policy of free speech on campuses. Campuses must have free speech policies or their public funding could be at risk. Sounds pretty good, right? That sounds super, super free speechy. Super free speechy. Everybody loves free speech. Everyone wants it to be protected. Why would we even want to talk about this? This is obviously a really good thing. It's like the Charter of Rights and Freedoms again. It's great. As we discussed last week, Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Uh, yeah. Unless this isn't about free speech at all. And that can't be it, can it? Like, does Fog Dord know what a campus is? Mm, did he go to school? Let's look this up. I don't think he finished. He didn't finish high school, which, like, should be a badge of honor, but in his case, it's not. Are you sure he didn't? <laughs> That's the word. Really? Very interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fog Dord, free speech... Uh, literally what I just said, um, even though it was said facetiously, is the thing that was passed that must happen. And so what is the context? Why would they be saying that this, what has been going on on campuses? (sighs) Well, Lindsay Shepard is the context. Who? Who? I know, right? I don't know. That name just came to (laughs) me. Um, Jordan Peterson. Who? I know. I don't know what that was about either. Some something about lobsters. Um, Actually, you know what? Fuck it. Like, like I gotta take a moment to just say Jordan Peterson's revelation that drinking apple cider vinegar caused him profound senses of doom is literally the funniest fucking shit. I have been laughing about that for a fucking month. <laughs> What are you even talking about? Oh, anyway. I don't I don't think I heard this news. Oh. What is this? <laughs> he, he like, I, I don't know, was in an article and he was talking about how it was very recent, although like in the last month, that he was drinking large quantities of apple cider vinegar and realized that it was causing him profound senses of doom. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. I mean, we need, we need fucking more free speech if that's the kind of fucking speech that's Ugh, free. Oh, God. Yeah, clearly this <laughs> shit is saving us, saving us all. Okay, so yeah. we've had this context where in Ontario campuses, well, actually, this is a context that's around the world, actually, <laughs> forever and ever, in which at post-secondary institutions, yeah. uh, sometimes people will try to bring onto campus people to debate ideas in the marketplace of ideas, which is squarely that marketplace exists in the ivory tower, where people go go to market to see which of the ideas have the most demand 
because <laughs> this is all about economics. <laughs> just, everything about this makes me upset. Um, uh, where people just, you know, debate ideas. And, you know, you, can ha- you just have all the ideas, every single one, just out on the market in the university. And then uh, whoever picks up the most ideas wins. Or whichever idea gets picked up the most wins. But in order for the yep. market of ideas to be truly a market, a free market, as it were, because neoliberalism... All the ideas must be there, even if the ideas are hateful ideas that are like, I want all of your people to die and not exist. Yes. And even if no one wants to bring those ideas to market, you have to fucking find someone to come to that market with these ideas that no one has or is interested in talking about. And so, but actually what's been happening in this uh, marketplace of ideas that is the university is forever and ever since the beginning of time, uh, the universities and the students have been like, oh, wait, we don't like these ideas, the ones in which everyone want these people want to kill everybody. We don't like those ideas and we don't want them in our marketplace. And they make decisions about what can be in their marketplace and what should not be in their marketplace. And right now, basically what the government is saying is that all the ideas must be let into the marketplace. Yeah, <sighs> That's the explanation, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. We have experienced the Americanization, I think, of this conversation in a very profound way. And so a lot of American ideas have been imported to Canada where like in American campuses, like I think things are different in the United States for a variety of reasons. But one of the big reasons is just how much money the conservative movement in the United States has poured onto campus. Mm -hmm. And. And also education is much more expensive. And so the kind of students that are at the schools tend to be better off or whatever. And so like there's a real war in American campuses. And there has been for a long time. Like, you know, students at Kent State were shot and killed mm-hmm. by the, you know, by the by the state. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 there's that there's this myth that there's like a massive fight on every campus where like conservative students are always at odds with Marxist professors, <laughs> and I don't imagine that's true in the United States, but I think that's a that's a message that really does exist in a popular mentality, mm-hmm. and increasingly conservatives in Canada I think have seen what's been going on in the United States, have been trained in the United States, are funded by American backers. And of course, Canadian backers. I don't want to let Canadian shitheads off the hook. Um, but they're the, but they're importing some of these debates into Canada, even though the context is actually different in a lot of campuses. That like the level of Marxism at all on campus is fucking zero in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the bias that you have on campus is not a bias, a political bias. Although if you did want to look at how professors voted, there's a really interesting chart that says that professors vote by and large at the same rates that non-professors in Canada vote. Like they don't actually vote more for one group than another with a slight exception to the liberals and some uh, in some study fields mm-hmm. and the liberals of course are not the left so fuck you if you think they are if you're listening to this podcast and you think they are you shouldn't listen to us or um, you should listen to us more and learn something go on oh fuck yeah that'd be so wicked actually too if that happens to you please let us know <laughs> and so that's where we're at and so we've got this completely manufactured debate that does not actually exist on on ontario campuses or even canadian campuses that there are so few fucking marxists that this is a true witch hunt um, and, uh, and that the real oppression that exists on campus is actually anybody who's outside the mainstream has a fucking hard go of trying to get through the academy because the academy is a shitty place. 
Yeah, let me be really clear what this is not going to be used to, to support, okay? It is not going to be used to support uh, those students who are organizing with uh, boycott, divestment, sanctions campaigns with in solidarity with activists uh, in Palestine. It is that this free speech policy, I guarantee you 1000% will not protect people who are trying to bring um, folks onto campus who are often challenged by campuses. Um, and sometimes these events are shut down by campuses because of uh, the way that the Zionist lobby operates in fucking Canada and on campuses. It will not be used to, su to support that, but what it will be used to support is folks who are bringing onto campus people like Ann Coulter, people from the men's rights movement, people from uh, anti-abortion organizations who like to come onto campuses with really ridiculous manufactured photos of um, things that aren't real to um, to to shame women. It's like those are the types of things that are going to be protected on campuses. In addition to folks like Jordan Peterson, Lindsay Shepard, who want to like debate the existence of trans identity, like it's the existence of people who are on uh, campuses who have a really hateful message, a really dangerous message about people who are on our campuses. That is what this is going to be used to uh, support. And the the legislation, the way that it's been crafted, is such that if campuses do not write a policy on free speech that is in line with the University of Chicago's, which is really interesting that I think you have something to say about, but that is not in line with the University of Chicago's, like, uh, what does that have to do with Ontario campuses? If universities and colleges do not implement such a policy, then their funding, their public funding, will be at risk. Yeah, and we should talk about what that possibly means because I actually think that this is is kind of a pathway down to the full privatization of certain institutions in Ontario. So maybe let's uh, mm -hmm. circle back to that. Ford is tapping into a very niche world. He's, it's kind of the same thing he's doing on the sex ed stuff. Uh, he's ta He's tapping into, like freaky ass conservative dudes mostly on campus who are pissed because no one wants to hear them no one wants to hear a fucking 19 year old who looks like he's 50 telling uh the women who walk by him that they don't have the right to have an abortion literally no one wants to hear that like if you actually watch them and try to do that everyone walking by is like dude i don't want to hear that <laughs> but at least in that little story that's someone who's actually from campus but the reality is is on on campuses today most of these ideas that are like really extreme right-wing ideas are pushed from outside of campus with very few exceptions yeah and so yeah and so like you know, we we were involved in uh in in pushing Ann Coulter off campus because Ann Coulter could fuck can, can fuck herself, and basically that was our message back. Uh, it was many many years ago, and the reality was that no one actually wanted her on campus. She wasn't invited by uh, any group of students who had some sort of standing with a club. Like, there was just this provocative thing that was meant to piss people off and so rather than getting pissed people were like how about we organize and say you're not welcome on our campus and then that's what happened but it's a bit of a difficult situation because if you're not actually connected to campus organizing uh, or if you're on a campus where there is no organizing because of course there's many campuses in Canada where that's the case it can be difficult to, to figure out how to respond to these people that isn't necessarily 
you know, kick them off campus because the way that the conversation has happened is that, oh, angry campus leftists just want to shut down this conversation. And by and large, uh, the speech that is the most offensive to actual like progressive people on campus is the speech that you get from the Board of Governors. Is a speech that you get from the Senate, <laughs> right? Like the most offensive thing I ever heard on campus was uh, a member of the Board of Governors saying that we should increase international tuition fees by 25% because they're all rich, like something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's a kind of mundane, normal speech that is like fucking permitted. Like people say that, there are people say racist things in their classes as pr- like professors. Students certainly say racist things, sexist things. And that happens pretty regularly. Usually, if there's an incident of hate, of an expression of hate, people will mobilize around it and actually, you know, condemn it, right? Like a normal human interaction. Something happens and the majority is like, whoa, that's not cool. We're going to mobilize around it. So, you know, back when I was at Ryerson, uh, there was racist graffiti that that was put at the Muslim prayer space. And the Muslim Student Association organized around it to be like, we're not interested in this hate. We're going to have a, it was what they did was a week of smiles. (laughs) And that's what they decided to do, right? And that's way more common a reaction to even the most vile hate than this shutting, this, this narrative that people are shutting things down. And the reason why they want you to think that things are being shut down is because that sounds so bad. But even when it is, like, let me give you an example of something that was shut down at U of T that people should, like, understand what it takes for, for that level to be crossed, for that threshold to be reached. There was men's rights associations, again, and these were not students. These are people who were not students who had like somehow exploited the university's club policy and become a club even though they had no students. Um, I booked a room to invite this guy onto campus whose name escapes me right now, but he was like interested in debating what, what rape was. And also normal. interested and, and also interested in debating uh, pedophilia. <laughs> so oh, it's yeah, like, sure. and did her. we shut down that conversation? Yes, we did. I, I do want to admit that, yes, uh, activists on campus did shut down that conversation on whether or not, you know, pedophilia was wrong or right and whether or not rape was wrong or right. But I can't even I don't know if that I can even say that these were left wing activists. It was just a whole lot of pissed off people because who wants to have that debate and who wants the provincial government to be protecting that debate like right that that is that is the level at which um uh you know conversations are being quote unquote shut down on campuses yeah 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 and i suspect that you know you folks organized and decided that that was the best course of action yeah and i actually think that they were able to have a a portion of that conversation anyway but uh regardless the point is most of these like you know, conversations are happening anyway. It's just like what what this is really about is emboldening particular types of ideas, particular types of right wing ideas in particular, and making sure that there's a mechanism by which conservative students um, and, you know, really extreme far right folks have a mechanism to appeal to in the government um, if conversations like some of the ones that I've referenced um, and others that aren't quite so like not necessarily pedophilia, but probably talking about, you know, trans identity or race or migration, um, you know, uh, ramping up xenophobia 
and so on. Those conversations are the ones that uh, are going to be protected by this policy. And it's really terrible. Yeah, well, it's like capitalists are always capitalists until the marketplace says, actually, we don't want your shit idea. And then they're all like, fuck, we need to fucking protect shitty ideas. <laughs> uh, and so how, what is the appropriate response to such a fucking policy being announced by the government? Okay, so let's let's maybe go back to what the policy says because okay. I think that it's it's really it's really bad. Okay, so we we now have a situation where first of all the government wants every institution to set up a free speech policy and they want them to do it by the first of fucking January. Which, if you've ever set foot on a campus governance body of any kind, you know that that's an impossible timeline for a policy to actually have proper uh, input. Impossible. Right? So because and what? Impossible. I was saying impossible in French. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, you know, I, I mentioned this on Twitter, but it's like if your first meeting is September 4th and then you've got an October 4th meeting and a November 4th meeting and a December 4th meeting, it's like you're striking that committee. The committee meets once the committee reports and then by December, everyone has to fucking pass it or else you might get sanctions from the government like that is very heavy handed. And that is actually an attack on the free speech and free expression of the campus of the institution to be able to set its own policy, which is actually a really fundamental part of what campuses uh, are supposed to be about. Yeah. And newsflash y'all like these policies take like three years to develop. Oh yeah. Like if you want it to be good. No, no joke. So that's, that's issue number one. Issue number two, of course, is the implication that uh, there is a, a free speech problem on campus. And it's like, there is a free speech problem on campus, but it's the same free speech problem that there always has been. You are jacking tuition fees. You are limiting the fucking uh, uh, kind of student that you get based on their ability to pay. You are uh, advocating for anti-student policies, making it very difficult to finish your studies. And um, and the institution is, a, is, is actually a very conservative place. Like, I cannot believe how many times I've had to have this conversation with people that don't believe me that the that the that the campus is a conservative place. It's like, what, Sandy? Do you know what the largest school at all in Canada is? What's the the number one school that students are in in Canada? U of T. No, no, sorry. I mean, like area of study. Oh, across every university. Um, I believe, like, I I don't know what, what type of question you're asking me, but um, do you mean like as broad as arts and science? Yes. Arts and science. It's not arts and science. What is it? It's business. Oh, yeah, that's not surprising. Right, it's not surprising at all because uh, business, like arts, is super cheap to pack as many students as possible into a classroom and uh, and uh, people are sold a bill of lies that, you know, you become mm -hmm. a marketing undergrad major and then you'll have enough skills to become a marketing master, which, of course, is not how it works. No. no. So... So, like, how in the hell can a campus be a bastion of left-wing thought when literally the entire, like, in system is dominated by, by business? And, 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 and not that business <laughs> students are, are right-wing, but the kind of education that they get certainly is. Yeah, yes, yeah, no doubt. So, like, it's not borne out in any actual facts. It's not borne out by any actual complaints. Every single complaint or flashpoint that's been been um, trumped up is trumped up massively by a campaign so that people mm -hmm. get outraged. And then even Jordan Peterson himself is engaged in two fucking defamation lawsuits because that dude can't take heat. <laughs> a little snowflake. So it's like freedom of speech. 
freedom of speech for who, yo? <laughs> Are you gonna fucking put in a threat? You're gonna threaten U of T's fucking freedom of speech policy because you're all like suing people for defamation? Mm-hmm. Him and Lindsay Shepard too. And Lizzie Shepard too, right? Like these are all like whoever these are all, she like, is. Inventations, yeah, exactly. Or inventations. They're all inventions of the fucking of this of this phantom threat that does actually not exist. And then of course the the big issue is that uh, Heco is going to be the body to regulate this, which is the ombudsman is going to be the body to <sighs> in, take into complaint complaints. And institutions are supposed to strong arm their student unions into signing similar policies, mm-hmm. which is my favorite part mm-hmm. and would literally, literally be what I need to get like mobilizing and occupying offices. Because this is this is literally the most incredible attack on free speech that they could have waged so far. I'm expecting more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The government is requiring students unions that literally their existence is to advocate against um, the policies of the government to implement a policy of that the government is mandate. Like it doesn't make any sense. And so no. we should be seeing a massive outcry. Yes, we should be. <laughs> we should be. So should we get into that right now or should we talk about what the why the University of Chicago? I feel like we need to double back on that. Yeah, and so the University of Chicago principles were picked like it wasn't out of thin air. It's it, it's a model that that Republican activists in the United States uphold as being the best model for quote unquote protecting free speech. And it's you know if you read the document itself, it's like fucking pages of rambling about like the phantom Marxist menace, but it, it's all kind of couched in this like in this language of um enlightened inquiry right like that literally it says that students should be open places for discussion and free inquiry and they should not attempt to steal shield students from ideas or opinions that they disagree or find offensive which like even implying that they are institutions that currently shield students from ideas or opinions they find offensive i think is just so fucked Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that's not what's happening it's like students are making these decisions for themselves yeah (laughs) because we can um and so i think that uh, we should be seeing uh, quite a strong reaction from students unions from faculty from um staff unions on campuses but we really haven't and i've been kind of disappointed by the way that um folks are talking or maybe not talking about this i you know i just would have hoped for more given the type of activism that I come from. And maybe there has been, and I just haven't heard it, but this is like a very uh, profound attack on students unions. I think that within the next four years under this government in Ontario, uh, we can see more, we can expect more um, fundamental attacks on students unions. Certainly a lot of the tiny Tories, as we discussed on the last podcast, that we know are working for the government right now and who want nothing more than for there to be voluntary student unions. So I, you know, I just, y'all, it's like, if you're being coy or careful in the way that you're responding because you're nervous about being attacked by the government is going to happen anyway. So you might as well, you know, live with your principles, (laughs) just live with your principles and get, get speaking to some folks from like the students unions in Spain or Belgium who have to organize, um, you know, for their, for their funding because it's not given to them automatically uh, by through uh, dues collection, like a union. It's, it doesn't happen that way in other countries and there's ways to organize around that, but you can't like the, the type of, 
responses that we've seen. Like USA, the uh, the Ontario Undergraduate Student Alliance is like, yes, we love free speech and we are very excited to work with the government on policies moving forward. How lovely. Um, The Canadian Federation of Students response has been like, kind of lukewarm it's like the the use of the idea of protecting free speech is often used to protect people who are make making hateful remarks so they they mention that in a release but there's not much else that's going on in that release it's like you know we're concerned and they're it looks like they're going to be having consultations it's like consultations on what y'all why you need to have consultations on this it's like it's bad you know it's bad you don't need a consultation to tell you that it's bad you just need to act against it yeah um the Council of Ontario Universities, the COU, they're all like, yo, we love the government. We be working with Whoa. you all the time. We're very excited to work with y'all. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Which I know, I know, I know yeah. that. The, Take our funding. Yeah, you know, y'all, like, Take you, it. if there's anyone who can withstand um, a fight with the government on this, it's it's universities. You really, really can. You have so much power in this province. And I know that many of the faculty, many of the staff are frustrated about the way that universities have responded. So can you just not always just lap up whatever the province is giving you? Like at some point you have to say, this isn't good enough and actually stand up to the government. I, you know, like I know that the, the president of the COE right now is like from Queens. So like, whatever like what can we expect from the president of queens but <laughs> just you know you i i would hope that <laughs> academics could be a little bit more you know at least be uh what's the word um stush have some foresight no stush is the word <laughs> at least be stush about your own university and be like hands off you know <laughs> and then and then you have like okufa who you know might have some of the strongest language in terms of being like upset at the government about it but it's still okufa being the ontario confederation of university faculty associations and uh, they they've put out some some of the stronger language out there but it's still you know like <laughs> This is really bad, everyone. Like, I don't know if people have been realizing it or like what, but this is this is a, a pretty awful attack. And as Nora said, it could lead to the complete privatization of some of our institutions. I certainly think uh, schools like U of T, Western, and Queens will be looking towards moving that way if if this becomes such a, an encroachment on their autonomy yeah. um, that it allows them to do so. Yeah, exactly. Because if you can just start thinking about the spin out effects of all of this, right? It's like, sorry, so is this supposed to uh, like apply to collective agreements? Is this supposed to apply to like shirk grants or NSERC grants? Or is this supposed to apply to it says campus guests, right? So it's like, sorry, you're you're holding random motherfuckers to the same standard as people that are like employed by the institution as people who are the mm-hmm. employer at the institution. Like, how does that make any sense? It's not that's literally not a workable standard. And then, you know, we haven't even mentioned, probably because it's so obvious to the two of us, but, like, the university is students. Like, sorry, (laughs) administrators, and for sure faculty are really important, but the university is paid for by students and paid for by Ontarians. And so the idea that, like, students can't be shielded from ideas that they don't like or students must accept that there are sometimes offensive ideas that they have to hear it's like no no, this is their fucking place this is their campus Mm -hmm. and and freedom of speech like i don't know maybe i don't even need to say this but fuck i'm gonna say it anyway freedom of speech is freedom of speech from the state 
Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't mm-hmm. have that from the state part in there, then you're talking about fucking nothing. Like, freedom of speech is you have the freedom to say what the fuck you want within the str- within the constraints of our current criminal code, which, by the way, is, includes hate speech laws, which are much stronger than the United States, which is also something we never talk about. But... I like you and I have the right to have this podcast and not have the cops bang down our door. That is freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. What is not freedom of speech is if Nora says to me, um, Sandy, I have something to admit. I love Doug Ford. And I say, shut up, Nora. She doesn't get to call the cops and take me to jail. That's not how freedom of speech works. And similarly, like on a campus, um, you know, like places where you have an association with someone, like again, Nora and I having this podcast, we have the freedom to put out a podcast. Students getting together in a students union have the freedom to express themselves and say, we don't want this person to book this room at this student center that we pay for. Like that is also freedom of speech. (laughs) Okay. And forcing people to accept hateful language in their space is not freedom of speech. In fact, it's saying you do not have the freedom to speak out against this. Right. That's what it is. It is a restriction on freedom of speech and ex- expression, not an expansion at all. No, no. At and, all. and and then the, then the additional tying this or threat to tie this to funding opens the door to a whole bunch of other problems because... Okay, fine. If you don't agree with us, well, you should because we're right. But if you don't agree with us, you should at least be able to see how the government could then also tie other incentives to faculty, university funding or college funding. And once you start tying thing like politi- the political whims of fuck door mm-hmm. to the fucking college university sector, mm-hmm. you're fucked. Like that is just yeah. there's that that'll be the the destruction of these institutions entirely and so like we've said this before how long are you waiting before you actually embark on a a struggle against this kind of outrageous and oppressive measure like what's what's going to be too late faculty what's going to be too late Mm -hmm. students what's gonna be too late daniel wolf the fucking president of cou from queens like i'm sorry you can tangle with these with these fuckers all you want but the reality is is that they don't care about you and you are only useful to them to an extent. So how about try not being useful? Yeah. Yeah. Like you, they've just said, we're going to exchange political ideology for funding. Like that is now political, <laughs> uh, your funding, your, um, your funding for public funding for your institutions is contingent on political ideology. And oh, yeah. people are like, cool. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that. In case you didn't read the memo correctly, that's there's the translation. I've translated it for you. That's what it said, and people said, "Cool, chill, all right, bro." Um, that oh, yeah. is absolutely unacceptable. And like, y'all think really hard about what's going on. Like, what is it going to take to get y'all to shut down this whole situation? Yeah. Um, you you mentioned this already, but I think it's a really important point that universities are in one of the strongest positions to fight back. Colleges are in a little bit more of a precarious position with their funding, but like universities have to become locations of resistance to the to the to the Ford administration. There's pretty much no question about that. Um, Ford hates you, so you might as well hate him back. Yep. Like y'all have got to expect that in the next four years, the Ford government is going to make some sort of attack against 
university and maybe college, uh, although there's an argument that they may not, and we, we could maybe talk about that in the future, funding at some point. Like you, your funding is going to be a tax because they have this idea, these ideas about intellectuals and elites and so on. They've been using that language. So within these next four years, that is going to be a tax. So, I mean, like, you know, get ready yep. <laughs> for for however you want to respond to it. But this doesn't seem to be the move. I mean, some place like U of T, there's, there, this type of response yep. from a place like U of T, it makes sense. They're, they're probably looking, I mean, we know they're looking to be a private institution in the future anyway. They want to do it by 2030, and they probably have the chops to make it happen. But something like... Anyone else? <laughs> Anyone else? Like anyone else? Mac, fucking Brock, Windsor, fucking, like any, Ottawa, Nipissing. like Nipissing, like y'all, like Lakehead. Like, where's your responses? Like, this is not like you becoming a private institution is not going to be the move in the province that's going to be supportive for you or your students. It's not supportive for U of T students either. Not, uh, d don't get me wrong. What happens there is that they become the type of private institution that they want to become. They want to become this, you know, really elite Ivy League keep the dregs out type of institution um, and they're going to be able to make that happen no other institution in this province has uh, the same about amount of maybe queens maybe but uh, probably not has the resources to make that happen one of the questions i think then that that we could probably wrap up with talking a little bit about is then like how do we respond uh to speech that we don't like so shutting down is an option protest is an option um, but what is the process that people need to engage in to decide what to do? I don't know what you're getting at. Do you have a thought about that? Yeah, I got a thought. I got a thought. Because I think that a lot of times there's either no location to have these debates or, or, or there are and they're not necessarily accessible to a lot of people. So you don't see that there is actually debate happening. But mm. if, if, you're, if you're not engaged on campus in debates about how to deal with some of these um, kinds of presentations or whatever, then you really have to be because um, I agree that shutting s certain things down is totally a must, but I also think that mm -hmm. sometimes it becomes shorthand, like it's a, or it's a shortcut um, to, to, to not organizing because you just don't have the capacity to organize. So you're like, oh, I'll just shut it down. And I'm thinking mm -hmm. uh, specifically about when Ryerson gave an honorary doctorate to Margaret Somerville, who is like a bioethicist whose research was homophobic and kind of proved in her mind that the only way to raise a child is with a mother and a father who's like the child's biological parents which obviously is like fucked on a whole bunch of other levels as well um mm -hmm. we we organized to protest her on the stage while she was giving her speech and and we we came to that conclusion because there was a big coalition of people who wanted to do something who wanted to not necessarily make the graduation difficult because people were excited for their graduation and so we weighed all of the options and we had a big debate and we decided on a on a, on a strategy and the strategy was a success from the perspective of us getting our message across and the day still being a special graduation day for everybody who was there. But if we didn't mm -hmm. have that location, I don't know if we would have had the same ability to have had these debates. And, and so I know a lot of people struggle. Well, how do you deal with, with speech that you find abhorrent or whatever? And it, you know, it goes back to what we keep saying. It's about organizing, um, mm -hmm. but organizing creatively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no like right, wrong or easy answer to any of these things like you have to make the conversations happen and you need to, to provide a space for people to be able to have those conversations um, so that you can express as a student body, as uh, you know, as 
the the group representing trans folks on campus as as the Black Students Association on campus, whether or not you're going to let this type of speech go forward, or if you're going to do something um, to intervene, to interrupt, uh, to engage in the conversation itself in a way that allows other people to say to see that there's another perspective or refuses um, that perspective to go on at, like a hateful perspective to go on unchallenged. Mm-hmm. It's necessary to make sure that there are spaces that people are able to organize such interventions, it sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like you might be thinking about a way to respond to a particular, like, monk debate. Mm, I might. I might. So it's like this is happening on campuses, but it's like then then the real world became a campus, right? Right. And the New Yorker was like, we're going to host Steve Bannon. And then the world was like, screw you, New Yorker, and we're all pulling, pulling, pulling out of your event, and you're not going to have an event anymore. And then the New Yorker was like, we are not going to host Steve Bannon. And then the monk debates were like, New Yorker, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> and the monk debates are going to have the most ridiculous debate. Are these guys even on opposite sides of a debate? I don't think so. <laughs> just, just like, what is I think that I, that would be a thing to debate itself, actually. <laughs> Perhaps you and I should have that debate. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the, the day of the debate, I believe, is like November 2nd, and it's in Toronto. And Oh, my God. On my calendar, it. on my calendar, it says that you're going to be in Toronto on November 2nd. <laughs> I just have a calendar that follows Nora's uh, Nora's whereabouts. No, we're doing another event on November second in Toronto. So Nora's going to be in Toronto. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay tuned. Uh, we have literally nothing confirmed. So you have to just wait and watch for the magic to happen. And we promise we don't even have a name for it because like there's so many things we could call it. But we are going to have the anti-monk debate in Toronto. <laughs> We're totally going to do this. We're going to do this. Yeah. If anybody has a venue that they want to like donate to us for it, (laughs) who's listening right now, like, let's do it. We, Nora and I are going to debate the monk debates. Fuck it. Yeah. November 2nd. Be there. Bannon or from. That's right. That's right. Bannon or from. Um, Who are you going to (laughs) take? No, I'm not going to ask you that. I feel like we should pull it out of a hat. This is going to be really difficult. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, we could do that. We could do that. There, there's a there's still some time for us to figure out these logistics. But mm-hmm. um, I think that that this is a performance art piece <laughs> that will fill your head with knowledge. It's mm. gonna be a live pro- podcast. We're gonna do a live taping. And even better than that, it's our way of being like, fuck Bannon, fuck from, fuck the monk debates. Come check out us trashing the the monk debates the same night as a form of protest. Yes. So November 2nd, we're going to be doing two events in Toronto. One we'll talk about as soon as we've got all the details settled on. And the second one, we've kind of given you just a little bit of a tidbit on. And if you have anything that could support us in making that second one happen, because we're just doing that all on our own, please let us know. We're looking for a venue. We're looking for some assistance with tech, probably. Um, So if you've got any ideas, let us know. November 2nd, we are going to take on the monk debates. Because freedom of speech, y'all. (laughs) we're gonna free the fuck out of that speech (laughs) and that's all we got that's all she wrote (laughs) 